0: Welcome to Resolve, an after-play show. This is an after-show for a role-playing game that does not have an actual play, where we tell you the details of our game so you don't have to listen to it. I'm Sammy, and I'll be your host. My pronouns are she, her, and joining me is my wonderful co-host, Alex.
1: Hi, I'm Alex. My pronouns are he, him.
0: And for this special character introduction, we are joined by Dex. Dex.
2: Hello, my name is Dexter Fan, Dex for short. I use he, him pronouns, but in a queer context, she, her, as in like, she's doing a really good job today. And my character Athenos also uses he, him pronouns.
0: Welcome. Before we get to the details of who Athanos is, let's talk a bit about you. Tell us a bit about yourself and your history with tabletop role-playing games.
2: I've been playing tabletop games since early college. One of the earliest role-playing experiences I had was with Alex, uh, oh. and that's over, over a decade ago now, in a friend's homebrew game of, I believe it was Changeling.
1: Was Changeling our first together? Yeah, yeah, because we didn't play Scion together.
2: Agreed. <laughs> well we did we did we did have scion at some point in the future i just think it was changeling that came first unless i'm misremembering and it was scion first
1: i think scion was the first game i played with that group but you weren't with us yet i think you when we played changeling yeah bumping off of that we know a little bit about how you and i know each other how about the rest of the group
2: well like we mentioned i've known you and your husband zach who are playing smog and tau respectively for over a decade now which is (laughs) strange to say (laughs) i suppose but i guess that's what happens when you're in your 30s sammy you and i have been in each other's peripherals since about that time as well but i didn't get to officially hang out with you until our previous interstitial campaign three years ago so that's when i met you and also dan who's also in this campaign with us and then carolyn is another person i've been hearing about that i've known of since college, but didn't get to meet until this particular game. So roughly like one month, two months ago is when I officially met Carolyn.
1: That part of the orbit happened because of our college Pokemon League.
2: (laughs) Indeed, I was I was hearing about the college Pokemon League all the time. And for some reason, it was like Sammy, Carolyn and I never were in the same place at the same time.
0: Which is wild, because I feel like we've talked when we were in college, but it just never like stuck. (laughs)
2: Indeed. Because I, I went to Pocatech, I think, which was Alex's club run at Virginia Tech, where we went to college. And for some reason, I either like missed your appearance there, or I was only there when you were absent from the meeting. <laughs> and I was like, how is this happening? How are we doing this? So, Oh, and then Dan? Dan I met at the same time as Sammy, so three years ago in our first interstitial campaign run by Alex. Dan's such a treat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then D as well was in that interstitial. Oh, game. yes.
2: Of course. That is also, I believe that's also when I met D, because that was D's first role playing experience at all.
0: Yeah. Correct. Yeah.
2: A lot of new friendships during that first run of interstitial.
0: Yes, which is a, an awesome experience to partake in. Agree.
1: Yeah, I mentioned that. I knew that you and D would hit it off somehow. I don't know how,
2: but. D is always mentioning that to me. Like when we're, when we're up at three in the morning laughing about Liam Neeson, she is constantly <laughs> like, so remember Alex said like, you would really like this person. And she was like, I don't know. <laughs> and, then, and then we met and just like hit it off. And I was like, Alex was right. <laughs> Sometimes the vibes are just right
0: is always mentioning that to us too. Like, oh, me and Dex are like always hanging out and like we just got together. I was like, Dee, I'm glad you have such a wonderful immediate friendship. It's such a rare and special thing." <laughs> Getting back to role playing in general, what made you sort of take the dive into your first role playing adventure?
2: I mentioned it was with Alex that I had my first role-playing game. He wasn't running the campaign, but he was another player in it. And it was my boyfriend at the time who introduced me to tabletop RPGs. And I don't remember any hesitation on my part. Like I grew up in a very like sporty environment. Like I was doing a lot of sports in both high school and college, but I was also surrounded by a whole bunch of dramatic theater kids. This idea of pretending to be a character was already something I was excited about. It wasn't like a foreign concept. And of course I, as a queer person, we as queer people usually come into adulthood with like a good amount of acting experience
0: beforehand. (laughs) Yeah, that's
2: true. the idea of playing like an idealized or a different version of myself in a fantastic world where i don't have to be a human which is incredibly boring was already something that was so exciting to me so it wasn't something i had any like reservation about
1: So we talked a little bit about white wolf games, storyteller games, and we know you've played Interstitial before. What are some other systems you have experience with?
2: I have played in a surprising number of systems because it wasn't something that I set out to do. I wasn't going out to look for new systems to play in. I was content to play what the friend group was playing and there was a lot of interest in kind of figuring out new ways to tell stories and like how you could build a character in a separate system that might make it play differently than if you were like in a traditional D&D or a traditional Pathfinder setting but I've played D&D Pathfinder or like the the basics of, I feel like, role-playing. And then there's the whole bunch, the the onslaught of Apocalypse Engine games. So there's Apocalypse World, Dungeon World. We're not enthused by the creator of Dungeon World, um, yeah. but it's fun to subvert what the creator intended the world to be like, so you can go into it knowing, like, he wanted something very gritty and dark and be, like, fluffy and happy, like, throughout <laughs> the whole thing, right? <laughs> I love, like, a whole bunch of indie games. Like, uh, I think Pugmire is one of them.
0: Yes! I would... Con-
2: Uh, where you get to play as dogs in a world where humanity has gone extinct i personally would categorize like one-shot based campaigns as role-playing games as well so like fiasco is a very quick game that uh you can play and i remember having a great time playing it with alex and zach thinking back about when these things happened is now horrifying because i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) either it's like half a decade or a decade and i'm like oh the age I think we were like a little
1: Vegas crime ring or something and we ended up dropping a body in the desert. That was an interesting little fiasco.
2: <laughs> we It was an interesting little fiasco indeed. <laughs> Most recently, I'm also a part of the Dungeons and Drama Nerds podcast and their goal is to find this intersection between dramaturgy and role-playing games. So it is their goal to play as many different types of games as possible. So I was exposed to a lot of games with them as well. Most recently it's Thirsty Sword Lesbians, Brindlewood Bay, Blades in the Dark, Paranoia. There's just a whole bunch. So I'm just very impressed that there's like so many different types of role-playing games that are available out there. Like if you find something that is not for you, chances are there is something that is for you.
0: When you're sitting down at the table, since you've had such a, a broad spectrum of games and different character choices, what puts you into character? What's your mental space before you get into the zone, as it were?
2: It's a process for me. It's not like I wake up and then I'm sitting at a table with my friends, tabletop role-playing games, and then I can just immediately snap into character. Sometimes it can happen, but a lot of the time it's like I have a I have a role-playing session later this week. So I'm going to try and get into character like during the week and usually how it happens for me, and it's kind of embarrassing, but I will sing songs in their voices while I'm driving to and from work. And that really gets me into it. When you hear, when you sing like in a Spanish voice, see his chandelier, it really just puts <laughs> you there. <laughs> Music is a really big tool that
1: a lot of us have used. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually we have playlist episodes of this podcast as
0: fillers.
2: (laughs) Spoilers. Ooh, spoilers. (laughs) But yeah, that's usually how I get into character for for any given session, is usually by singing in that character's voice.
0: I need to steal that. That's a brilliant idea.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to hear Smog sing. (laughs)
0: I I, I do.
2: (laughs) The the question isn't about whether you want the character to sing. It's how they sound when they're singing.
0: Are there any fun facts about you that you'd like to share?
2: My fun facts are I probably have a few too many hobbies outside of work. I spend a lot of time creating and not in the sense of like, "Ah, she's a content creator. No, it's more like (laughs) I, I like to write. I like to draw. I like to act. One of my short term goals is to become traditionally published. It all stems from this idea from my youth. I really want to create these spaces for queer people, for people of color like myself, to like find themselves in books, to find themselves in the drawings that I make. I would like to provide the world with something to help people. My work is pharmaceuticals, so it's not particularly, I'm impacting the world, but it's not in the way that I want to impact the world, right? That's kind of what I spend a lot of my free time doing. And that's probably the most fun fact about me aside from that. I can crack my hands forever. But that's just like
0: well you can't just you can't just drop that in casually. <laughs>
2: that's just me and my worst supernatural ability. Like God was like, you get to have a superpower, but it sucks. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alrighty. Well, it sounds like we have a good idea about who you are as a player, deck. So why don't we get into discussion on Athanos. Athanos is their full name, correct?
2: Correct. Athanos is a full name, no surname. Perfect.
0: So tell us a bit about them. What do they look like? How old are they?
2: sure uh athenos is roughly thousands and thousands of years old um has been around since his world has been around for the most part he was born of zeus and has the appearance of a wolf man think blithe from elden ring as a good comparison so like dark gray fur humanoid extremely large he has two versions his mortal version was just roughly 10 feet tall so still very a very big boy, and then his god form, which is roughly like 2,000 feet tall, or however tall an average skyscraper would be. We've heard a little bit about this already,
1: but what's inspiring Athenos as far as media? Where is he coming
2: from? Okay, so honestly, I've been playing a lot of Hades recently, (laughs) and that certainly (laughs) had something (laughs) to do... It really is. So that certainly had something to do with it, but... I also, there is a cartoon that is on like the edges of my memory and I don't know what it's called. I don't know what network it was on because, okay, here's fun fact, unrelated to the question. I didn't (laughs) understand. And this is, this will give you more context of who I am as a person as well. I did not understand how TV programs worked as a child, mostly because we had broadcast and I was very stupid. So people would always be like, Dexter, have you seen like the latest Pokemon or like the latest Digimon? And I was like, no, how do you know when it comes on? And they were like, there's a schedule. (laughs) They were like, there's a schedule for like programs on TV. And I was like, that makes no sense. What are you talking about? And then they were like, yeah, it's always on at three o'clock. And I was like, what? I thought things just like were on rotation randomly. And I had just get on TV at the right time to watch a TV show. Anyway, so that's the preface to that is like, there was a cartoon from my childhood somewhere don't remember what network it was on. Don't remember what the TV show was called, where there were Greek gods, but they were anthropomorphic animals. And they were like fighting each other, multiple different pantheons fighting each other. And I was like, that's rad as hell. So I pulled from that to turn a Thanos into like a, basically a big furry wolf man who's in conflict with his sister.
0: What playbook are you playing for a Thanos?
2: I am playing the memory. Tau is also a memory, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm currently kind of playing it rather fast and loose. I ended up going with Ultimate Form. Since Athenos does have the 10-foot form and then the 2000-foot form, I thought the Ultimate Form could be an interesting way of mechanically creating that for my character or being in line with the flavor for my character. I have historically, in gaming, tabletop, or otherwise, really been infatuated with the idea of being very weak at the start and then growing in strength as I continue to play the character and grow. Athenos is kind of like the antithesis of that, where he starts off, he's a god, So he's just very strong. And I have a memory. It's kind of dangerous to be casting a whole bunch of spells, to be deep diving, because you have a tendency to possibly lose links. And if you run out of all your links, then you die. To help offset that a bit, since I am casting like huge amounts of magic on a regular basis, I took Make a Big Impression to help me balance out gaining new links with the links that I may lose. And also it fits with Athanos' character where he's like constantly trying to dabble in the lives of mortals, like the petty god that he is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you said he's he's petty. Are there any other facets about his personality that you'd like to bring forth?
2: I have a couple words, I guess, that would describe Athenos pretty well. Boisterous is one of them. Loud, another one, similar in tone to boisterous. And perhaps endearingly stupid, (laughs) <laughs> I think is the third one. Like ver uh, he's got a lot of himbo energy.
0: Yeah, I was about to say Car- Carolyn mentioned that. <laughs> <her> <laughs> wrangling that Athenos was like big himbo energy.
1: <laughs> There's no way to bring out the loud, brash side of Athenos other than hearing him. What does Athenos sound like? Can you tell us something in Athenos' voice? Uh
2: sure, okay. Louis me... <laughs> I didn't sing before this, so Ooh. here we go. <laughs> My name is Atenos. It is good to meet you. You are kind of small for a human. You kind of look a little pathetic. I I feel like I need to help you out a little bit. It's a little bit there. So that's just a little bit of what he would sound like (laughs) in our games.
0: (laughs) So you said that he's in conflict with his sister. What's going on in Athenos' world that's bringing about these these conflicts and these strained relationships?
2: So Olympia is really complicated in the sense that it is a it's a oh sorry, <laughs> we're flat earthers. <laughs> jokingly jokingly of course but athenos's world is flat he's experiencing a whole new thing right now when he's not in olympia the idea in their world it's it takes some inspiration from hades in terms of lore but it also takes inspiration from most recently i think it was magic the gatherings amonkhet expansion that goes through this but it's it's this world of gods and men humans women that through overcoming dangerous trials tailored to the challenger humans may then become either gods or demigods so it's like a race to demigod or godhood so that those humans can then as gods or demigods provide protections to their lands to their people to their family to their loved ones etc and it again was also kind of inspired by that elden ring *Dark souls world where your story doesn't end if you die if you die in olympia you get sent to the underworld where our version of Hades will send you back to the surface world so long as you're willing to continue trying. So you have unlimited tries to become a god or demigod. There's still a large number of people who don't make it eventually when you decide to break that cycle and no longer come back into the world you're put back into the world in a different way to rejuvenate the land etc so your soul becomes part of the the place a central source of conflict for athenos is that he is trying to get his lover hercules into to become a demigod so that they can Officially court, but Ariessa, so Athenos is a gender bent furry version of Athena. So we have his counterpart, which is gender bent furry version of Ares, who is Ariessa, his sister, and she is consistently unhappy with like the people Athenos finds attractive. So she's trying to sabotage their relationship by trying to get hercules to fail all of his trials so he doesn't become a demigod, and of course then's like there's like daddy zeus who's just living his best poly <laughs> supportive <laughs> lifestyle
0: <laughs> i love the the notion of like a nice guy zeus <laughs> who's doing something right. healthy <laughs>
2: <laughs> i was like i'm not in the mood to tell a story about like rape and murder so let's yeah. just right. have him, like a loving wonderful father with a lovely polycule that's supporting him
0: Going back to Athenos and Ariesa, they're obviously, they're they're fighting about something. Was there some catalyst to this or is it just purely petty? Like, oh, I don't like the people you're hooking up with. How can I be the the ranch in this situation?
2: It's pretty much the latter, um, in the sense, it really is. So in this world, it's all about these gods who are trying to ascend the mortals that they deem worthy. So it's the people Athenos thinks are worthwhile as demigods or gods, he's trying to support in these challenges by giving them his blessings, by helping them out in some way, and Ariessa is doing the same for people she finds valuable. The problem is, as brother and sister, these two really don't get along, and they don't see the same value in the other person's chosen champions. So they're both constantly trying to stop the other from making new demigods. Something I hadn't really considered about the setting you've
1: given to us before is that Thanos knows about humans. Thanos is a wolfman. Other gods Mm -hmm. that we've heard about are furries. Do you gain a furry aspect when you ascend to godhood?
2: No, I think I would say that it's like the original, like the progenitor gods as it were. And then Perhaps as a demigod, you would kind of get to choose what kind of form you would take. Maybe that's like an animal head, or maybe you want to keep your human form. Maybe you just want wings. You know, wings would be cool. Something like that. Give the demigods a little bit of choice after surviving nightmarish trials.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you give an example about what Hercules might be facing in one of these trials? When Dan
2: and I, Dan, of course, is running the campaign, we're discussing what the world that Olympia looks like, we had to discuss some of the trials and challenges that it might have had. And I think we wanted to create this world that was not only like a challenging, but also inclusive in the sense that your trial might be different based on whether or not you had the ability to climb a mountain, right? So... Someone with, like, lesser ability to climb a mountain might have something more of, like, a mental challenge presented to them. So a lot of these involve races, reenacting wars that have come in the past, mental challenges including, like, large puzzles set by the gods that people have to figure out, that kind of
0: thing. Are there any other characters that Athenos has starting links with?
2: Ariessa, which is very clear that they have a dark link to begin with. Athenos also has a light link with both his dad, Zeus, and Achilles. Since we know a little bit
1: about the characters from Thanos' homeworld, how about the rest of the party? How is Thanos getting along with them? What were his first impressions?
2: He's considered other characters innately powerful, simply because a lot of the things that they seem capable of doing might be able, like, might, demigods might be able to do in his world. So he has already, like, a naturally high opinion of a lot of the characters in our party. We have a very large non-human portion. I don't actually know if there's any humans in our party.
0: Not technically speaking. Yeah, (laughs) right? We made the
2: joke going along that we have a furry party. Yeah. We really did that. But it is more that he sees all these creatures that he hasn't seen before or has seen things that are adjacent to them, that he thinks these are new creations by gods in his world. So, for example, I'm sure you've talked about Assyri already and Pony, but he views both of those creatures as just creatures that Poseidon made, or, or whoever makes horses, somebody made Pony, a unicorn.
0: Actually, Poseidon would have... Poseidon is a god of horses, so... <laughs> Oh, well, Poseidon 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 for both.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Initially, D's character was very tricky and continues to be very tricky. Athenos thinks that D's character, Geyser, is some sort of trickster demigod. Lesser than himself, but still having some power. He's just enamored. Easily amused. Like, people don't normally, like, attempt to play tricks on a god, so he's just, like, very enamored with Geyser's personality, even though that's the opposite of what Geyser would want.
0: Because it poses a challenge to him that he wouldn't ordinarily encounter, right?
2: Right. It's like, wow, you're so brave. You have such bravery, little demigod.
0: <laughs> <laughs> about Smog and tau
2: I think Atenos is currently viewing Smog as a spirit guide or like a guide of some sort to mortals because smog gave Athenos some advice on how to ha- like he witnessing that pony was struggling and was like you seem to have power you can help them so Athenos is like are you my secretary is this is this what do i have like a, a helpful like are you like a, a shrine priest i love that
1: because that's <laughs> something i built into the moogle's backstory from his world so i'm like yes exactly that's what i'm doing
2: it seems like to Atenos that uh, Smog is kind of like a facilitator between gods and mortals. So already a good relationship begun there. Tao mentioned that they don't have to eat ever. So Athenos thinks Tao is also some level of demigod or god because gods also don't have to eat ever. I'll eat for fun. He just thinks that Tao is like a very reserved, relatively powerful being
0: as well. So Athenos doesn't have to eat, but... If given the opportunity to feast, of course a god is going to. What what is athenos's favorite thing to feast upon? It would be rude
2: to decline a feast presented by mortals. I could never <laughs> decline a feast. I, it's his food. His favorite food is probably something stupid like a rare steak. It's, it really is probably just like something super simple and dumb like i like steak and the rarer the better like some dumb bro thing to say you know what i'm saying i'm just thinking of that like hercules meat and potato shtick oh you know what I, me as a person me not athenos i do love potatoes and also meat, <laughs> so perhaps that little flavor of me has been infused into
1: this So we know about Hercules. Are there any other romantic relationships that Ephenits has had in his past?
2: I would say yes. Probably like a good number of other beings of his world. But I wouldn't say that anyone he's actively pursuing outside of Hercules at the moment. It'd be very silly to be like, he's lived for thousands and thousands of years, but this is his first love! I think something that Dan and I talked about when we were creating the character was this idea that it was like a forbidden love for a god to love a mortal before they became a demigod or a god. And uh, of course, Zeus has had many dabblings with humans in a consensual way. (laughs) (laughs) In our world, at least. Athenos has found some solace within his father who has had the same experiences. So everyone else is like, you can't love this man. He's a mortal. And it's wrong to try and get someone to be a demigod or a god just because you like them. But Zeus is like, yo, follow your heart. You love this man. Like, go for it.
0: Yeah, that was my next question, actually, was do the like other demigods that Thanos has sponsored feel jealous about this relationship? Or what are they doing in this situation?
2: I don't think they would feel jealous. Uh, Thanos chooses people who are stubborn, brave, And never willing to give up, determined to a fault to succeed at what they're doing. And to that extent, he's very put off by people who are willing to, who are both like uninvested in their own power, or don't know what they're about, or are unsure of their direction in life. He finds those people like very uncharismatic, unlikable, (laughs) unsound. That's a problem for someone else. He's looking for people who have ambitions and are looking to accomplish some sort of goal.
0: We all got kind of zapped into the world, as it were. What immediately beforehand, before you woke up in the desert was Athenos doing with his time?
2: Athenos had just finished setting up a trial and announcing that so setting up a trial frequently involves like terraforming the earth sometimes it's creating mountains where there were none or moving oceans yada yada big magic right so he had just finished setting up an entire ass trial and then he announces the beginning of the trial and immediately is in a different world I don't think he realizes at first that he's in a different world. He's just kind of like, who's playing a trick on me? Like, <laughs> what's going on? I think I, uh, when Dan introduced me, I literally just yelled that the trial was about to begin. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, interesting how how the tides have turned, how the, <laughs> how the turntables have tabled.
0: These trials, was the thing they're setting it up for his demigod potentials? Or does he set up the trials for his other sibling gods? Is it like a blind... <laughs> crossplay it
2: is, it is a blind it's kind of like jury duty where like every now and again you'll have to set up a trial you as a god only have the blessings you can give to your champions otherwise there's like rules and regulations and stipulations on what trial has to happen how it has to happen they haven't planned out for like the next millennia which trial is happening every four years that kind of thing Athenos
1: is from a more ancient world. What is Athenos' view on technology, since it seems so deeply embedded in the backstories of other characters?
2: Indeed, Athenos is from a very ancient world, so he doesn't have the same. Like, there's no computer screens, there's no phones, there's no electricity, that kind of thing. So for me as a person, I've had to kind of figure out how he would react to all of these things. And I've gone with the attitude, again, of like the endearingly stupid himbo. These techno- these pieces of technology are a sign of these characters' power. As the game progresses, and we might see more and more technology, and specifically we might see humans using technology and creating technology, I think Athenos is going to be more and more impressed by like human ingenuity because right now he has the idea that humans are very weak and in need of help when a human is like being bold and brazen attempting to be strong or whatever that looks like he's very impressed with them because he's like they're trying so hard to do this thing despite their like weak bodies (laughs) and like fragile minds right so he's like you're trying so hard and you have so little to work with I'm gonna help you out. So when he sees people using more and more technology, I think it'll be very interesting for him to see that maybe a God's influence isn't always necessary. Cause right now we haven't met any other gods yet, but if we enter a world where there is a God, but then God doesn't interfere with the going-ons of man, he's gonna be like, wow, uncaring, unfeeling, disgusting, that you would just leave your humans like this. Like, (laughs) (laughs) technology will play a very interesting role in like that aspect.
0: What is one thing about Athenos that you haven't told anybody else about yet? Wow, secrets!
2: (laughs) Oh gosh, he is really such an open book, though. I guess there's a lot of things that I've talked about in this conversation that we've had about how Athenos' world works he hasn't told anyone that simply because he thinks that's how all worlds work or should work he was a part of the creation of how his world works perhaps something that he hasn't told anyone else is once he starts figuring out that he's on a different world entirely he's gonna start like judging how those worlds have been created and how they work and being like that's wrong (laughs) That's incorrect. You shouldn't do it that way. Like, we've done it this way for thousands of years, and we're doing great. So I think, like, a secret judgmental side of, like, other gods work. Right now, he's excited by meeting these other gods, but maybe it'll transition to, like, I'm also going to be evaluating how you as a god function.
0: Do you think that harsh judgment will cloud his vision and lead to problems later on? Yes!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thanos will absolutely land him and the party in some trouble at some point. I almost guarantee it.
0: Well, it sounds like we have a good idea about who Athenos is as a character. So let's hop into our resolution phase where Dex gets to say one thing about Athanos without anyone else saying anything.
2: Athanos is a huge fan of pro wrestling. And then for plugs, you can find me on Twitter at DexFanWrites. That's D-E-X-P-H-A-N as in Nancy. Writes as in writing a book. You can find the other podcast that I am on at Dungeons and Drama Nerds. Again, that's an intersection of dramaturgy and tabletop role-playing games. So we have multiple seasons where we play a different game every season. And there's a whole slew of separate cast members that I'm sure you'll grow to love. And it is an actual play where we do not do any recaps in the current episode. So this is a very fun idea for this podcast. And lastly, I am intending to do some interesting work with Viet Fashion and Orcs soon. So keep your eyes open for that, I suppose. Those are my things.
0: This has been Resolve, an after-play show. You can find us online at most social media sites at Resolve AP.
1: Except Instagram, which is at Resolve After Play.
0: Thank you so much for everyone for joining us today. You can buy the game we're playing Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwined from its creator, Riley Hopkins, at LinkSmithGames.com.
1: All links will be in the description of the episode.
0: Thank you again for listening. We end our turn here, so now it's your turn. Tell us about the character you're making for your game.